welcome. Uh, surprised yourself a little bit with that one. No, it's very, I'm very welcoming today. Yeah. I'm working on a little bit new cadence in my welcome. Good morning and welcome to episode 471 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I'm Sam Miller. I'm here with Ben Lindbergh. We're both sponsored by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. How are you, Ben? Okay. All right. Uh, you got anything, or can I get into my stuff? I don't have a whole lot. We should we should mention uh, what Bobby Abreu is doing, maybe. Yeah, how about that? Because we talked about Bobby Abreu over the winter, and he was tearing up the winter leagues, and what did we? We, we asked each other whether either of us would, would want him based on that. Or we talked about how how long he would have to hit as well as he was hitting for us to have any interest whatsoever in Bobby Abreu. There was a moment this weekend, it's not that way anymore, but there was a moment this weekend when he had the second highest OPS plus of his career. (laughs) I mean, this is a Hall of Famer. Like, he's not going to be, but he should be. A Hall of Fame caliber hitter, and he is just now reaching his near peak. (laughs) Right. Yeah, he's hitting 308, 385, 462 in 80-something plate appearances. Not bad. Not bad at all. Padding that Cooperstown case. And so, so, um, but of course, Mark Mulder, on the other hand, Mm -hmm. uh, no luck. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm trying to remember, who do we talk about as the comeback kids? It was him, Mulder, was Brad Penny one of them? Uh... I don't recall Brad Penny being one of them. I think I can find the list in our Facebook group here. Uh, uh, comeback player of the year. No, no, I don't mean that. No, oh, I don't what? mean our. What do you mean? I mean that that we did an episode, or at least we did four minutes on an episode about guys who were coming back after a long time away, like oh, this sort right. of this this mini trend in February right, of the, guys the Kaz, who we'd forgotten Kazmier, about. Casimir type. Casimir types, yeah, and I, I thought Penny was one of them. Yeah, he and might have been. I'm trying to remember who else there was, but it's just just a Brayu hit, right? Just a Brayu has stuck. I think so. Uh, Brad Penny, uh, Google News top result: Baseball star Brad Penny sells his Van Buren property, <laughs> real estate totaling more than two million dollars in Lick Creek Township. Three mm. months after he was released from the Kansas City Royals, so yeah, so Penny was one of them. Mm-hmm. Tomooka was he one of them? Uh, he might have been. Um, he might have been. I mean, he, certainly he fits, but I think he was pitching in Japan uh, mm-hmm. while he was away. Uh, mm-hmm. But it might have been Oka. But Oka was a little bit of a separate case, but only only a little bit of a separate case with what with the knuckleball. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. He married former Oklahoma City Thunder dancer Casey Cook in 2013. So that's what's up with Brad Penny. Happy to hear it. Um, all right. I have a thing okay. to talk to you about real quick. Uh, Mike Trout currently uh, is 7 for 7 in stolen bases this year. Uh, and with I think with the seventh one, he has passed Chase Utley for the best stolen base percentage in Major League history. Mm-hmm. He has uh, been successful in about 88% of his attempts. Uh, nobody with 100 attempts or more uh, is higher than he is. Uh, he's the record holder. Mm-hmm. So, of course, this is one of those records that is in progress. And if he gets caught tomorrow, he will no longer have the record. It's just that easy to lose. 
I want to know what do you think are the chances that Mike Trout keeps this record, hmm. and I will make the case for whatever you uh, <laughs> for whatever you don't say in a second, and then you can reconsider. So, will Mike Trout keep the all-time stolen base percentage record? So he is just just a tiny fraction of a percentage point ahead of Utley. Then, uh, well, it's not a tiny percentage or a fraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, a tiny, whatever you said. But yeah. yeah, I mean, he's slightly ahead. Okay. Well, I will say he does not keep it then, because the the impressive thing about Utley is that he has made it to the the toward the end of his career with that record, right? So maybe I don't know what the aging curve for stolen base percentage looks like. Whether guys as they get slower get caught more often, or they get smarter about when to steal and they don't get caught more often. I would guess that they get caught more often. So I will say that he does not keep it. So you that's interesting because you would guess that they get caught more often. I would guess that they don't. Maybe as a whole they do, but that um, it seems to me that... So, okay, so Trout's at 88.6%, Utley's at 87.8%. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't help you. Uh, but um, I, my, I, I sort of think about guys being better as they go and... Not 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 based on like sort of some hypothesis for how they should. I mean, I'm thinking of like real live human beings. So like, for instance, Barry Bonds from age 34 on mm-hmm. uh, was like vastly better. He went 69 out of 80, um, and from 38 on, uh, 38 on, he went um, uh, like 19 out of 20. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and, and I mean, I feel like I, I feel like I bump into this a lot. I haven't done any research on this, uh, any, any proper research, but I feel like I bump into this phenomenon, um, a lot where like, for instance, Utley's best year, uh, he went 23 and, uh, out of 23 when he was 30. It wasn't mm-hmm. when he was 24. Uh, his worst year actually was probably when he was 27 and he went 15 out of 19. Uh, so when he was 30, he went 23 out of 23 then 13 out of 15, then 14 out of 14, then 11 out of 12. Mm. Um, and I, I noted Barry Bonds, of course. I'm going to look up Albert Pools because Albert Pools, of course, was uh, is the slowest person alive, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. is slower than anybody. And um, since he turned 31, he's 20 out of 23. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, the, the number of attempts goes yeah. down. Um, but, but Pujols success rate is, is up. I mean, even, even really, if you go back to 29 to age 29 to, to bring a little bit more into it, but we don't need to bring a little bit more of it because, uh, as Trout gets older, he'll take, he'll, he'll still fewer, you know, he'll, he'll attempt fewer stolen bases. Um, but it seems to me quite plausible that he will actually do better. Mm. But the, but the other thing, Ben, is that the stolen base success rate, uh, league wide tends to go up and Trout will be part of that league. You know, the, the, the success rate is is not quite like the strikeout rate, but it is a persistent upward uh, upward arrow, and Trout will be part of that upward arrow. Um, so, so just as, for instance, Felix Hernandez's strikeout rate goes up every year, um, which I don't know, maybe that's not normal, but that's interesting too, just in case we, you ever need a topic. Shouldn't, uh, we, <laughs> yes. shouldn't we regress the, the all-time stolen base percentage leader to the mean somewhat? Especially because he is not, he hasn't been around for all that long. So you say that, I mean, Utley has been around so long now that even if he were to slip a little bit, he he couldn't slip all that much. Whereas 
Trout has been the best to this point, so we should probably expect him to be a little bit worse than he has been, right? And well, but we have, yeah, I guess we just we haven't normalized for age. It's, right. it's maybe maybe Trout for his age is like my. I mean, you know, like we wouldn't regress him necessarily. I mean, his his WAR, for instance, is higher than anybody through his age, mm-hmm. and we wouldn't just automatically regress it to a league average. I feel pretty confident, for instance, that. Like Mike Trout has has produced fewer WAR than Chase Utley, as well. But I, I feel pretty confident he's going to pass him, and I, like I don't feel like a, a great need to regress that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the I'm going to check. I'm going to check. I'm going to check stolen base percentage uh, through age 25 and see if mm-hmm. Trout still has that. Because if he doesn't have that, uh, then that would change things. So I'm going to. I was thinking of as an example is Carlos Beltran, who. From age 21 to 32, so through this through 2009, he was at that point. What did you say, Trout's percentages? Uh, 88.6. I'm looking in, okay, and Beltron so, Beltron through 25 was 87.2. He was the third best of all time. Well, Beltron through 32 was 88.3. So just a just you know three tenths of a percentage point lower than Trout is right now. Since then. In uh, from 2010 through 2014, he has obviously gone a lot less often. But when he has gone, he's been caught just like a, a normal normal guy. Yeah. Not 23 even out of 33. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's just under 70 percent success rate. So that's I mean I don't know we're we're arguing with anecdotal examples here, but yeah, because no no we we are because we're arguing about a thing that doesn't matter. I will note that. Beltron at age 22, uh, his first full year, mm-hmm. 27 out of 35, not a particularly good rate. So mm-hmm. Beltron's prime years, if you were really going to bring up the Beltron example, Beltron's prime years were 26 through tw- uh, 26 and 27, uh, you know, maybe arguably through 30, uh, through 31. So 26 through 31, maybe you could extend it 23 through 31, mm-hmm. but it's not you know, you know, Trout's not even 23 yet. Mm-hmm. So, well, this is uh, this research could be done. Maybe what? we could, maybe we could do it. Maybe someone who's listening would like to do it and tell us, tell it how how it comes out. What's the aging curve for stolen base success rate? From 23 to 32, <laughs> Beltron's rate was 89.5, <laughs> uh, which is really something. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's good. Good it for was him. Pretty good. Uh, all right. So Ben, our topic for the mm. day, um, a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked us if there's any player that we, uh, sort of switch to automatically on MLB TV when he comes up or when he's pitching, if there's like our go-to guy. And we said, I think both of us said that it, it changes that whoever our guy is this week might not be our guy next week. It just sort of depends who we're interested in that week. So, so I thought since it's been a month or so, uh, we would update that, and I wanted to hear who your guys are now, and I'll, I'll mm. tell you who my guys are now. So I just want to know who are your MLB TV go-to guys right now. So mm-hmm. I asked you if you would to think of a uh, you know three-ish, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've thought of three-ish, and and let's let's hear what you got. Okay, well mine I wouldn't say mine are necessarily uh, based on uh, like anything that's happened very recently. Like there's no, I don't know that there's one person I'm really fixated on right now in the majors, at least. I guess if if Joey Gallo were on MLB TV, I'd probably be switching to all but of his. Wait, 
Joey Gallo is on M- He's on MILB-TV, yes. And Dan, I, do you ever switch over? Ever? I, do you ever once? Have you ever once switched over? I've watched his at-bats when they were over. It's it's hard. MILB-TV is, is great that it exists, but it's difficult to navigate. There's no way to switch to like an at-bat like you can with MLB-TV. So you just kind of have to click through to find when the guy was up and you have to try to look at the lineup and say, okay, he's probably after this guy. And then you can't really fast forward. You just kind of have to click around and it advances by three minutes and then it goes back and it's just a pain. Like um, the radio, like MLB radio, basically. Yeah. So, and of course the, sometimes the camera angles are in weird places or the quality is not very good, but I have watched some of him cause he's very exciting. If he, if, if there were a way for me to just switch over, I would probably be just watching him only. Um, but as for major leaguers, I mean, I it's I I kind of had a hard time deciding between pitchers and hitters because a pitcher can control a whole game that I want to watch, right? Like if if I look at a if I look at a particular starting pitcher matchup, I might just watch that game and that'll be the the base game that I am switching to other games from. Whereas no position player really has that power. I will switch to see a position player if I'm in a commercial break in another game. And I, I might just switch to, to see this guy's at bat. But then I'll switch back again because he's just up for a minute and then he's gone. But, uh, I mean, probably Stanton is on that list because he's, he's the major league equivalent of Joey Gallo, right? He's the He's got the most home runs in the National League. He's... It's the he's hit the longest home run in the major leagues this year. He is the highest average home run distance this year. The Marlins are not depressing anymore, which is I think part of it, right? I mean, if you if I'm going to switch over to a game, I'd like to know that it it might be a game that matters as well. It it helps, I think. It it it's extra incentive if I know that this is a an interesting team and that maybe I'll want to stick around and see someone else on that team once I switch. But uh, but Stanton, I mean, Stanton's so, exciting. But what? Uh, just curious. I mean, what are you hoping to see when Stanton comes up? I mean, do you do you just want to see him hit a home run? I mean, is that interesting to you? Like to see him hit a home run? Is that it? That's it. <laughs> if he, hit, so, I want to see him hit a home run. Don't you? I want to see him hit a four hundred ninety foot home run that goes over everything. It wouldn't be more interesting for you to see him be beat by you know some lousy pitcher or by a good pitcher or something like that i mean nope <laughs> just just <laughs> a home run huh you just want to see the ball go far yep okay. i know that you're you're not a big fan of home runs generally i know as I'm a not, as sure. a play uh and i understand that but <laughs> but his home runs are the best home runs yeah it's true although uh uh i've enjoyed goldschmidt's home runs this year i've, I've mm. by chance happened to see a lot of them and uh, they're attractive. They're not. They're not Stanton attractive. I, I'll give you that. They're not Stanton attractive. But mm-hmm. Goldschmidt's home runs are fun too. But um, okay, so Stanton, because mm-hmm. you want to see home runs. All right, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, if we're just talking about like this week, I guess Polanco maybe. Just okay. Because watching, watching. There's no wrong his... answers here. You don't have to apologize. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, just the whoever the latest hot prospect who comes up is i mean if it's springer earlier this year or it's Tavares, or now it's polanco and i mean whoever it is i'd I'd like to get a look at him and 
maybe like Polanco, he'll get off to a hot start and do some exciting things early on. So, so that I probably that, um, I feel like my, my, I mean, Puig is like the default, right? I think I said Puig last time, but I still would say Puig because the odds of Puig doing something that, that if I don't switch the channel to see it, I'm probably going to have to read about it and watch the video later, probably higher with Puig than with any other player, right? Whether he's, he's making a great throw, he made a nice throw today, whether he's finding some new thing to bat flip about his, his bat flip on a walk this weekend in which he almost hit the catcher and the umpire. Hang on. I want to back up on that because I, I find this to be the least, uh, talkable thing that Puig has done. Like I, I understand that, that like I've actually I mean I know that Puig actually does sometimes bat flip on walks. I've noted it. Other people have noted it. It's an interesting thing. I mean that's that is a strange time to bat flip. Yeah. But this this mini controversy this weekend about his bat flip after the walk, that he was not bat flipping. He was tossing the bat away. There there was no flip at all. He uh-huh. was tossing the bat away. He got it got stuck to his hand on with pine tar. And it got it sort of flipped away from him. Like he was not trying, to, he was not trying to juggle a bat. That like that that was not. Like and I feel yeah, like the thing about the feel, the thing about the thing that makes Puig interesting mm-hmm. is that there is not just uh, unusual motion coming out of him, but that that it is by choice. Like this is he has agency over himself and he chooses to do interesting things. This was not his choice. He he's just sort of stumbled. It would be. I mean, it, it's and yet I've it, never I've never really seen that happen before. Well, of course you haven't, but I mean, would that have been how interesting would that have been if um, you know Brendan Harris had done it? Just sort of interesting, uh, right? Yeah, I would have I would have watched a gif of you it. You would have watched maybe a GIF twice, of it, but but there would there would be no conversation about it though. No, Mm-mm. and and Puig didn't do anything. That was the least Puig like thing that Puig has done mm-hmm. because it was an accident. Maybe. I don't know. Are you sure it, it wasn't, wasn't? I wouldn't call in it a bat between flipping. a flip and a. He wasn't trying to flip. It was the most. He was just tossing the bat away. There, like I don't feel like there was anything unnatural about yeah. his his movement until it stuck to his hand. Yeah, maybe. I'm I kinda... did. I did find it impressive how quickly he just abandoned the bat, though. Like if I had tossed the bat like that, I think I would. First off, my hands would definitely go up in that. Oh no, kind of <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. And then I, I would at least make a move to pick up the bat. And then I might think twice and think, oh, no, bat boys are here to do that. But he just – he watched it, and you could see his shoulders tense just a little because he had he was worried about it hitting the umpire. And then he just left. Like he did not even think for a second, <laughs> I'm going to correct this problem. No. <laughs> and I'm kind of conflicted about bat flips in general. I mean, I like – I worry that, that we're depreciating them. You know, like they were – they're special – when I, yeah, I'm not a bat flip guy. I I agree. I I feel like baseball can kill a meme like no other. Yeah, sport. right. And baseball I, players in particular. Yeah, uh, I like I like. I mean, I enjoy watching that that video of the really extreme NPB bat flips. I love that video of the uh, the minor leaguer in 1994 with the bat flip. Have you seen show that me. one? Yeah, uh, show me all that right, one. I'll try and find it as we talk. But that's a great one, and. And I, I mean, I like, a, but you know, when you bat flip on every fly ball, initially it's amusing. Like the first time it happens, like, oh, he bat flipped on a fly out. That wasn't even a good thing that happened. But then every subsequent time that happens, it's 
it becomes routine. It's not interesting anymore. So yeah, I'm completely off team team bat flip if that's a team. Uh, so John Carlos, uh, John Carlo has 18 home runs. Mm-hmm. L- last year, Coco Crisp had 22 home runs, mm-hmm. and John Carlos' 16th longest home run this year would have been Coco Crisp's longest. <laughs> yeah. 16 of his 18 are longer than any that Coco Crisp hit last year right. when he yeah. hit, when he hit 22. Yeah, and Crisps were all like famously just enough home runs, right? Just like right over the wall. Um, famously named devaluating my knowledge (laughs) um anyway i didn't name any pitchers but i feel like i should have named some pitchers but all right so yours so yours are stanton uh puig and some guy like maybe palong yeah whoever the the latest top prospect debut is all right all right fine i'll give you uh give you nine hours to prep and, uh, and that, that's fine. Huh? Look, I'm that's not fine. I'm not fickle with my with my choices. <laughs> I want to see what I want to see. I want to see Stanton hit really long home Stanton runs. I want to see Puig do Puig, do Puig things, and that doesn't change every week. There might be someone else I'm interested this week or that week, but those guys are the pantheon. But the, doesn't the fact that Puig, you know that like like uh, what we were just talking about with Puig, you know that anything he does is going to be retweeted into your timeline immediately. And so, I'm, like, I'm what, never on Twitter. You don't want to have, but I mean, you know, you're you're gonna see. I'll it. see it somehow. Yeah. Nothing sneaks by you with Puig, don't you? Don't you want to have any? Like, don't you feel any desire to be like kind of off the beaten, off the beaten trail and and find your own, you know, find your own little game to have ownership over? Uh, yeah, but no. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so here are mine. Okay. At the moment. My my three mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. So uh, these are all going to be like really cool indie picks. They're not. They're not. They're all, <laughs> I thought they were going to be. I thought we were going to have two of them the same. In fact, hmm. uh, and I don't even remember who my third is. I'll have to remember it before I get there. Oh, the third one's pretty indie. I'll give you that. The third one. <laughs> the third one's dumb. Uh, all right. So Dellen Batonsis. Ah, okay. I love a hot reliever. I just hmm. when when a reliever is on, I'm in it to win mm-hmm. it. I, I love it. And so Batances was very recently on pace to break uh, Craig Kimbrell's strikeout per nine uh, record. Uh, he is no longer on pace, too. He's now on pace for the seventh best strikeout per nine of all time. Although Kimbrell himself is uh, right. is very close. Kimbrell himself mm-hmm. is number two uh, yeah. currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see. One, two, three, three, uh, four of the top uh, sorry, three of the top eight of all time are currently in this year. And that's not counting Araldus Chapman, who um, is, like, really, really, really doing something incredible right now. So uh, he just doesn't have the innings to qualify. Mm-hmm. But Chapman is currently on pace. Uh, I tweeted this out yesterday, but Chapman's last nine innings, he has 19 strikeouts, one hit, one walk, 34 s- swinging strikes um and uh, so he's on pace currently to break the all-time strikeout record so basically we have four people challenging for it but batonces is um is interesting because a he's he's new uh b because he he um he he was very recently on you know better than anybody else is i mean at this point just a couple of of outings where you only strike out one batter is enough to take you off the 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 pace but um you know he was there he's got i think something like the like the fifth or sixth best fifth of all time 
uh, right now. Um, and um, I don't know. He's interesting because he's got, you know, he's got, I feel like the, the curveball, uh, mm-hmm. particularly from a reliever, is pretty unusual at this point. Mm-hmm. And he not only has the, the curveball instead of the slider, which by itself mm-hmm. is, is unusual, but he just throws it so much. He throws it a ton. It's unhittable. Um, his, I don't, I don't think I have it in front of me. Oh, wait, I do. Here it is. His curveball this year, um, he's thrown 283 of them. Yeah, uh, his, his, his four-seamer and his curve are almost equal usage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's about half of the pitches are curveballs. And uh, he's, he, his, uh, his swinging strike rate, strike rate on the curveball is about 60%. Uh, his slugging percentage against on the curveball is .095. Um, you know, it's just it's, it's a ridiculous pitch. And I don't know, it's, an inter- it's interesting to me that it's not a slider. I know there's not that much difference between a slider and a, a curveball. They're, they're part of the same spectrum, more or less. Um, but um, I like that he throws a curveball. I, I'm sick of the slider. I don't like the slider. I'm tired of it. <laughs> so um, I was thinking about I was thinking about Batantes and and um, you know he uh, he's big. You know he's a huge guy uh, and he throws hard and he strikes everybody out. And so it, it, for those reasons, it kind of reminds me of Jonathan Broxton when he was this dominant. And of course, Broxton just basically lost it. Like over the course of you know a couple of years, he went from unhittable. Actually, over the course of a couple of weeks, he went from unhittable to being hittable to being on the DL. And um, so, you, uh, I, I'm going to bring a couple of things together here. When mm. you talked to Glenn Fleissig a couple mm. months ago, maybe a year ago, mm. um, you asked him about pitch counts, and you said uh, basically Fleissig's position is that uh, pitch counts are too you know are important but they're too simplistic and you asked him so is it fair to say that you know there's there's no such thing as too many pitches or, or something along those lines and Fleissig said basically yeah you know it's it's more about having rest mm-hmm. if, if you can handle those pitches in the moment that's fine as long as you get enough rest and Corey Dawkins has uh, has written before that um, or at least he's noted in his writing I don't know if, if this is his research or, or somebody else but he's noted in his writing before that uh, relievers get hurt at a higher rate than starters and you know relievers of course don't get that much rest and so I started thinking uh, I, I don't know how I'm gonna get to where I'm going with this but I started thinking that what uh, everybody hates that, that basically the reliever parade is the baseball equivalent of the intentional fouling in basketball in the final two minutes you know where it's just boring and mm-hmm. You know, the casual fan doesn't like it, and even the hardcore fan doesn't really like it, other than maybe for some strategic benefit. And so, um, so let's let's add a few of these things together. Everybody likes starters. The starter is the cowboy of the of the sport. We like them. They're 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 the lone gun on the mound. We don't want to see the starter go away. We all, for strategic reasons, think and wonder about the possibility of an all bullpen uh, pitching staff. Mm-hmm. And I think some teams should do it. However, we all, you know, emotionally have an attachment to the idea of the starter, okay? So we have mm-hmm. that. Um, we have the, the dislike of the, ninth, uh, you know, of the reliever parade at the end and, and the sort of fact that loogies are basically the punter of the sport and nobody respects them. Um, we have the fact that relievers get hurt more, which might, it might just be because relievers are selected because they're more injury-prone and don't have the durability. We can't say mm-hmm. that relieving is necessarily more dangerous, but, you know, it could be relievers do get hurt more, and um, we have 
Um, I don't know. I forget where else I was going. So I'm just wondering whether, in fact, the solution uh, for all of these things might not be as as we've proposed having the all reliever bullpen, but rather going the opposite way and having like seven man rotations, which you you can't really do uh, with the rosters that we have. But here's the thing: seven man rotation and only three pitchers allowed per game, and you have to name your pitchers before the game. So you have your starter, and then you have two relievers that you identify before the game, and only those three guys are allowed to pitch. Mm-hmm. And so pitching staffs don't have to be that big because you're not going to be doing every every batter is a new pitcher. If it goes extra innings, you can have a fourth one. If it goes past the 12th or something like that, you can have a fifth one, and so on. But in a nine-inning game, you only get three pitchers. You can use them however you want. Um, and then we have uh, we preserve the starter, which I think everyone wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, we end the loogie, which I think a lot of people want. We still have a lot of pitching jobs in baseball, which the union likes, um, and nobody gets hurt. How about that? Yeah, not bad. I was. I, I, this is. I'm talking about this with Batantes because we all know Batantes is going to be hurt in 17 <laughs> months. Right. And so I'm trying to think of a way to protect him, and I'm so I'm I'm thinking maybe instead of having yeah. pitchers be used the way that they're used now, maybe they're spaced out a little bit more. Yeah, I I thought you would go with someone like that because I I know how you feel about Kimbrel and I I like watching Batances, but I I don't know I don't think I would switch to see him or Kimbrel because what they do what they're doing now it's it's uh it seems so inevitable to me I if you switch over to see it it will be exactly what you thought it would be right you they'll just they'll just strike out two guys and. And that'll be it. I mean, they'll just throw really hard, and then they'll throw the curveball with two strikes, and the guy will swing and miss, and that'll be that. There's, it's just, it seems so, seems so predictable to me. Like if I, I almost yeah. went with Strasburg, who's I think has the highest strikeout rate among starters, but I don't know. With starters, it's a little more interesting to me. You've got three or four pitches, and you've got to pace yourself a bit, and you face guys a few different times, and everything. But, with the reliever, they have more or less the same game plan against every batter, uh, and it's it's so effective for these guys that that it would be a it would be interesting if they did allow a run. When Kimbrel allows a run, it's it's kind of exciting. Um, it's but, interesting that you because you chose Stanton because he's powerful and he's able to do a dominant thing, mm-hmm. but he probably won't. And mm-hmm. I chose Batantes, who's powerful and able to do a dominant thing, and he, he probably, probably will. will. Yeah. And it's interesting that you choose the guy who's unlikely to do the thing that yeah. you're tuning in to see. <laughs> yeah, because it's more special. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Uh, I, I thought about Wade Davis, and Wade Davis I, I find interesting at the moment, but the thing that about Wade Davis is not just that he's dominant, is that we know exactly how undominant he is as a starter. Mm. And it just reminds you that, like, okay, so when you see a, um, at the end of the year, this year, s- probably some relief pitcher will get some MVP vote from some columnist and that columnist will explain that relievers you just can't overestimate how valuable they are at the end and you know the club's morale depends on them and I I really think that a lot of these these guys think that they're channeling the conventional wisdom within the sport and that they're reflecting what the teams think as well and that they are the they are the defense against us rabble out there who don't uh, you know who who are um, you know who don't understand what teams what teams know because we're dumb, mm-hmm. and um, and yet, uh, if relievers were nearly this valuable, like we know 
that every single team has a reliever better than Craig Kimbrell, and they choose not to have it uh-huh. because they want that guy starting. They all have a reliever better than Craig Kimbrell right now, and right. Wade Davis is the proof. Mm-hmm. Like Wade <laughs> Davis is the worst starter in baseball. <laughs> he might actually be, of the 150 people in the rotation right now, he might be worse than all 150 of them. And right now, he has a 1.14 fifth. He's got the 14th best strikeout rate of all time. He's totally dominant, and uh, and he sucks. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, sorry, so that's one. Uh, one is Chris Sale. Okay, uh, yeah. Because Chris Sale is insane right now. So Chris Sale... Um, I, I mentioned, I tweeted this a couple, I don't know, not the start, but the start before, I think, or maybe maybe last start. So I'm going to just name you some numbers. So uh, Chris Sale's whip is 0. 0.67, mm-hmm. and Ko- Koji Uehara last year is was 0. 0.57. Uh, it was 0. 0.61 when I tweeted this, but Koji Uehara had like the the best year I've ever seen, like from anyone. It was It was like the most fun year I've ever had watching a pitcher pitch. And Chris Sale's numbers are basically the same. Like, his strikeouts are slightly lower. His walks are ever so slightly higher. His whip is a little bit higher. And he's doing it as a starter mm-hmm. instead of as a one-inning reliever. I mean, Chris Sale right now feels as dominant as I've ever seen a starter. Mm-hmm. And I um, I have proof, uh, <laughs> sort of, kind of, a little bit. So from 1914 to 2014, uh, the best half that any pitcher has ever had um, by whip is Pedro Martinez at .703 uh, in 2000. And that makes sense because Pedro Mm -hmm. Martinez that year was the best pitcher we've ever seen for a year. Chris Sale's whip in the first half this year is better. Mm -hmm. Sale has to make it another month to, to preserve this. But currently, Chris Sale has a better whip than Pedro Martinez had, than any pitcher has ever had hmm. in a half. That's Except how that. dominant. Mm-hmm. Plus he looks uh, funny. Plus he looks funny. Uh, and he never gets hurt. He never. Gets, that's a crazy thing. Uh, oh, kind of did. Although, uh, barely. Missed like three <laughs> weeks. <laughs> okay. He's definitely going to have Tommy John. He's <laughs> yep. completely certain. So here's an interesting thing that, uh, that I learned while looking up this interesting thing about Chris Sale and Pedro Martinez. Um, number eight all time, the, the eighth best half that anybody has ever had <laughs> as a starter. Actually, no, I take it back because number three and four were Hoyt Wilhelm, who was a reliever, although he pitched enough innings to qualify because back then. But I'm going to take Hoyt Wilhelm out. The sixth best half that any pitcher has ever had as a starter by whip is Marco Estrada last year wow. in the second half. <laughs> and now he's losing his job, right? <laughs> so, oh, right? <laughs> last baseball. Year. Crazy, right? And, <laughs> and of the six in front of him, two were dead ball era. Uh-huh. And one was Joan Santana. Uh, sorry, six ahead of him. One, two, three, four, five. Five ahead of him because he was six. Two dead ball era, Pedro, Chris Sale, and Johan Santana. So at the time, only four ahead of him, and two of them were dead ball. <laughs> anyway, Chris Sale. All right. A, I, Chris Sale, I, feel, I didn't have time to look this up, but he feels so unhittable right now. 
It's like you see good pitchers who have really good ERAs, but like you know, occasionally someone you know gets two hits in an inning and then they pitch out of the jam. Chris Sale's never in jams. It feels like when he gives up runs, it's always like just this like lightning strike that happens, and all of a sudden three runs score, and you're like, where did those come from? And mm-hmm. the entire rest of the game, he's perfect. If I didn't have time to look it up, but it feels to me like he has had a perfect game in the fifth inning of every start this year, and I'm pretty sure that's true. You don't have to look it up. Nobody, <laughs> nobody <don't>. check. <laughs> I'm sure he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, the last one uh, of mine is Brandon Crawford. And Crawford's interesting because his I, – I like to watch for his defense. Mm. Uh, I like a I like a strong-arm shortstop, and I feel like everybody likes a strong-arm right. shortstop. I feel like there are two things. We're not very good at evaluating shortstops, I've decided. We, we think we are. We watch them a lot. We feel like we have a pretty good idea. But I think that's the position we're actually the worst at judging. Mm-hmm. Um because we don't see their starting point, we don't see their jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, with a lot of the other positions are rangy, I mean, not rangy, are, are uh, reactionary. So uh, either the infielders are reactionary, and so we can basically see, you know, the third baseman got that play. We see it. We have that sort of isolated camera on him, and he makes the play, or he doesn't make the play. Same with the first baseman. Catcher, of course, is always in our sight. Outfielder is pretty easy to see. You can just see the way they move and the way they throw. It's pretty easy to see. Shortstop and second base are a little tougher. Second base is biggest biggest challenges that play up the middle and you can see either either has the arm to make that play or he doesn't shortstop though we're basically judging them on plays that we don't see the the most crucial part which is where they're set up and and how their jump is and we don't really have a good way of assessing that so instead we evaluate them based on two things their arm and how smooth they are basically and smoothness means nothing smoothness is style points style points don't count omar vizquel who i think is is an excellent shortstop i i don't want to take anything away from him i think he's legitimately amazing and all that but he was smooth that's why people loved him and smooth doesn't count the Mm -hmm. other thing is the arm Derek Jeter had an arm lots of guys have arms arms are really important to shortstop but we probably rate them mostly on the arm instead of the other things Brandon Crawford has a great arm and like the last month he just makes play after play after play every time I'm watching a Giants game it feels like he's taking away hits he has been spectacular and I love watching him. Now, here's here's the thing, though. I yes. love watching Brandon Crawford. I click over to watch Brandon Crawford play defense. It's great. It's awesome. The numbers say he's not that great. Like he's just average. And uh-huh. I went over to like Inside Edge to see all their, you know, see how he does on like the unlikely plays, which are rated as like uh, one to ten percent likely. And he hasn't made one yet this year. And then I looked at how he does on the ten to forty percent likely. He's not that distinguished on those either. And I looked at how he does on defensive runs saved and the baseball reference stat. And it's like, he's like a plus two shortstop, which isn't that great. Mm -hmm. So, so this is a situation where I get tons of enjoyment out of watching Brandon Crawford play defense. Um, And yet I don't necessarily argue in favor of him because I, I don't trust myself, but I do really feel like he's great at it, and um, it's fun watching Brandon Crawford. And I think uh, the thing about it is, I think everybody who's watching him this year is having fun watching him. He mm-hmm. uh, he's been really fun to watch. He looks great. So what? Yeah, he's well, got the arm. He's got the arm. That's the thing. Last time we did this, uh, one of my 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 provisional pick was Andrelton Simmons. If I could switch over when he was about to field a ball, that yeah. was my my condition. But of course, you can't do that. So you you will switch over to watch a Giants game just on the off chance that there might be a Brandon Crawford play? Uh, don't get too hung up on the language, Ben. <laughs> okay. All right. 
By the way, Andrelton Simmons, uh, last year, of course, he set, you know, every record for every defensive metric in a single season. And everyone wondered if that was just his true talent because we watched him and he looked really, really good. And everyone thought, well, maybe he just is a plus 40 defender. So far this year, not not really. He's no, on... Jeff, Sol- Jeff Solomon wrote about that, though, and I think he did a good did job. He? And uh-huh. yeah, I, I don't. It's too. It, you have to go. It's nine twenty nine. You have to go. I do. I have other media uh, commitments. You do. You have a show to go to. So I don't want to get into it. But mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't feel like Simmons' true talent has been obscured. Uh, and it's actually a good piece that Jeff wrote, and it's probably worth looking. At. Okay, I will do that. All right. So that's it for today. Please send us emails for Wednesday's listener email show at podcast at baseballperspectus.com. and please support our sponsor, Baseball Reference. Go to baseballreference.com. Subscribe to the Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. And we will be back with another show tomorrow.